Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome to this next episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I have with me Terry Kyle. And those of you who don't know Terry have definitely missed the trick. So, Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. So, Terry, some people in this world don't know about VPX hosting and yourself. Would you mind introducing both? Sure. My kind of online business career goes back to about 1998, 1999. And my professional background includes things like copywriting in advertising agencies for clients like McDonald's and Pepsi and Coca-Cola, things like that. Um, much more recently, people may know me from forums like Backlinks Forum or Traffic Planet Forum, for example. But in 2013, uh, with my, my business partner here, we set up a hosting company, WordPress hosting company, which at the time was called Traffic Planet Hosting. And in 2016, that became WPX Hosting. And the reason that I set that up or we set that up back then was that classic entrepreneurial frustration with the state of that industry at that time. So I had used pretty much every host in the world, probably two or three times over uh, by that time. And I was deeply unsatisfied with the customer support where typically they wanted to send you to a long knowledge based technical article and expect you to troubleshoot your own problems. Um, there was that issue, but also they, they tended to kind of overload very old servers. So your site loading speed was very bad. And that was obviously really, really bad for people visiting your website. So we kicked that off back in 2013, um, by most recent tests, including Kevin O'Hashi at Review Signal, uh, and tests that Matthew Woodward has run, for example, WPX hosting is, is kind of unbeatable, more or less, unless you spend a, a crazy amount of money. Um, and if your site is well optimized, it, we have our own CDN network fully that we built ourselves. And I don't think the last time I checked any other hosting company has built their own CDN with about 30 locations we have. Uh, that's all kind of included free in the service. Uh, so that basically that your website will load very, very quickly to uh, visitors from anywhere in the world, from South Africa to New Zealand, South America, et cetera. So uh, innovation and always kind of pushing ahead on speed and trying to do more at the customer service level is really, really important to us. Uh, and the other thing I'll mention, maybe not too many people know this, Matt, is that WPX also fully funds uh, an NGO that I have here, which is called everydogmatters.eu, which is a, uh, a charity foundation actually we don't accept donations it's all funded by wpx which is um set up to help homeless and shelter dogs and cats um, here in bulgaria where we're based um, and currently we have um, about four staff in the ngo and in wpx we have roughly about 60 people working on that so in terms of management um plenty of plenty of uh, issues and experience to draw from there Excellent. Well, that sounds that sounds really good, Terry. And uh, yeah, you've definitely been around for a while. And uh, yeah, from myself, like I, I bumped into you guys probably 
I think two years ago now, the first time. And I've been super happy with your service. So when I when I was kind of scouting out new talent, I was I was very happy to see that you you would be interested in getting on the podcast because it's already always fun to sort of talk to people whose services and stuff you've used and been very happy with. So that's that's awesome. Great. Right. Into the management stuff. How do you do it, Terry? How do you run a service like this consistently over and over again? And like, what's the magic sauce here? I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the guys listening to this podcast will be in a very similar situation to what I was, which is kind of, uh, and this may apply to you as well, Mads, where you're more or less a solopreneur. Uh, you may have a, have a small staff, possibly you have some VAs and things like that, but you're kind of the driving engine of it. It's sort of your own home business in a way. And I don't mean that in a patronizing way. It actually gives you a lot of freedom and it's a, it's a good lifestyle on the whole if it's kind of well done. So I think for me personally, uh, and I see this in the guys that we promote within the company, that one of the biggest difficulties we have is um, that making that transition from being a doer of something to a manager of other people doing those things. So I kind of wrestle with it a lot. And I, I'm, my natural inclination is to, uh, you know, write a blog post or do some, some research myself or manage the situation personally, that kind of thing. But very, very quickly, you, you realize that's not scalable. Uh, and you're kind of faced with a fire hose of tasks that's physically impossible and pretty overwhelming to deal with. So, uh, you know, you kind of have this Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing working where you want to be the one doing it. Uh, but then again, you're, you've actually got other people that you've hired to do this stuff and you're kind of getting in the way. So learning how to step back and not be the doer so much and be the manager of doers is, is really difficult, um, but really important. And one of the ways that we address it here at WPX is by talking about it a lot. So if we have, for example, a guy who, who was a support agent, but now is much more in a leadership role, um, educating, training uh, new support agents, for example, um, they, they will naturally have the tendency to want to jump in there and just answer the customer's question themselves because they can do it more quickly, more efficiently, all of that. Um, they're always wrestling with this impulse to kind of jump in there and do it themselves. But of course, in doing that, the people that they manage can't learn from the experience of doing it themselves. Uh, and they're, they, they, they're kind of there to intervene. If something looks like it's going to go off the rails, uh, you know, they can come in with their experience. But it takes kind of maturity and some awareness of the dynamics of the situation to what kind of while it's happening to say, hold on, you know, I'm really uh, compelled to jump in here, but that's the wrong thing. And they need to not be the doer, but actually let the new guys who have come in that we've hired, we've trained them and all of that, uh, handle the situation on their own. And if, if, it's, if it's done, uh, you know, have, the problem has been resolved satisfactorily, um, even if it wasn't necessarily, you know, five-star performance on that particular moment, the manager can then step in and kind of review it afterwards and say, well, what about this? And did you think about that? Um, but for us here, talking about this, this factor, this dynamic is really helpful in kind of being aware of it and getting on top of it. So 
um, you know, moving from being that doer, that, that executor to the manager of other, other executors, as you start to scale, that becomes more and more problematic and something you've, you've got to get better and better at. Yeah, definitely. I, I love it. I mean, what, what, one of my sort of biggest things that I work with people on, and this is entrepreneurs as well, by the way, right? But that is exactly this aspect of going from a be, being someone who does things to being someone who manages other people. Because in reality, what happens is that it stops being about you and it starts being about the team, right? And, and a lot of people, particularly high performers, have a, a big issue with that. And it often takes them quite a while to actually adjust to the situation because they're so used to not just jumping in, but they're so used to it being about them and their performance and what they do, right? And then changing that mindset definitely takes some work once in a while. And that's, yeah. uh, that's definitely a, a huge thing to, to work with people on. So I, I love the way you talk about it and, and sort of the, the, the realization that that's a big thing. Because for me, one of the key things and one of the, one of the aspects where many businesses go wrong is that they're, they're so good at promoting people, but they're so bad at when they've promoted them, actually give them the right and the relevant support to move into that higher level position, right? Because it's, it's not like... You know, you go to bed Friday and, and you wake up Monday morning and suddenly you're a manager and you, you, your mindset and everything changed. Like life doesn't work like that, right? So, and, and so many businesses, you know, they're like, oh, I promoted you to a sales manager. Let me buy you 20 sales books. And I'm like, that's not what they need. <laughs> it's yeah. not sales they need to excel at. It's management, right? And, and it's, it's really nice to hear a company that actually sort of focuses that way around and, and understand that that's one of the biggest challenges. So. That's really cool. Really cool. Um, I'm really convinced that it's actually management is a different part of the brain at work than entrepreneurial uh, kind of mind work, which is a lot more strategic and creative and sort of visionary. But management uh, is kind of very operations driven and what's happening now. And did we kind of, you know, check off these things on the task list or, or checklist or whatever. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's been pretty difficult and I think you've got to approach it from a, a point of view. If you've got to learn a different set of mental and emotional habits, yep. um, they're kind of a bit not the default setting. So you kind of got to have that awareness that going, um, and I'm not saying I will necessarily ever be the most amazing manager of people because I, I recognize it's not my natural strength. Uh, but you can, if you're aware of the things that you're working against, and I'll talk a bit more about that later, um, in the kind of the moment you kind of can recognize it and go hang on I've got a bad habit at work I'm just going to shut up for a minute and let let the the team do the work otherwise you're in that horrible situation where you just have a job rather than a business where everything is just revolving around you and you, you have all this anxiety and emotional turmoil about um, absolute perfection and this guy can't do it quite as well as me or whatever well, maybe, maybe today he can't, but in six months, maybe he'll be better than me. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be, and he's not going to get the chance to grow into that if I keep interrupting his or her learning process. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I, I love the way you think about that. And it definitely seems like you've come through, uh, you've, you've, you've learned a lot of the stuff. Um, one of the things that I tend to say, Terry, is that, um, that most people feel they're bad at management. And, and it's a bit like public speaking. The thing is, if you never do something and haven't got experience doing it, 
yeah, you feel you're bad because you haven't done it, right? But but a lot of it, like if you can learn SEO, you can learn management, right? It, it's like like my course, for example, like I have a management course, which is literally four hours. And the, the whole point is like, you can learn a lot of the right stuff in a short period of time that makes management more fun. Because when you feel you suck at something, it's never gonna be fun. If you feel you suck at cooking, like you're not gonna just start cooking, right? Uh, but if you actually start getting some basic skills without playing around with it, eventually you're going to be like, oh, that's actually not too, too horrible a thing to do. Um, and and that's, that's how like a lot of people feel like that with management. And that's why I'm consistently encouraging people to actually learn more, right? Exactly. We have a saying in the company and in the foundation that everything is practice. So whatever, whatever we encounter, like a horrible situation with an injured dog or a difficult government agency or uh, a technical situation or whatever, I'm always uh, kind of on about this issue that everything is practice. And we're going to look, what have we learned from this? And moving forward, when this happens in a week or a month or three months or a year, what have we learned today that we'll apply the next time around we get to practice the situation? Because if you have a a dynamic business, you'll get plenty of chances to practice stuff. Excellent. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fantastic. What, what sort of your, let's call it management philosophy, how, how, how do you kind of feel you manage? Like any specific mindset behind it or anything? I think a few things. Um, and I made a, a few notes. I was well prepared today, like a good manager. Managed very, good. To be very, very proud of me. Um, so a few things, whenever we um, want to take on any kind of mini project within the company, could be from building some new software or hiring somebody or some campaign or whatever, we always talk about what are the things that we're working against here. So it could be um, external things like a competitor or uh, a misperception by our customers, our target customers in the marketplace. It could be an internal thing like a lack of knowledge, uh, a lack of enough people, resources, whatever it might be. I think there's a lot of power if you clearly kind of uh, discuss and document exactly what you're up against in this particular project in order to then counter those things. So if we have a lack of knowledge, let's hire an expert. Um, if, if there's a misperception about something in the marketplace, let's, let's create some educational videos with a lot of proof um, that, that can help that situation. And I think too often uh, when entrepreneurs or people in life or whatever just take on things and uh, they don't exactly know what they're up against and it's all kind of a bit vague and fuzzy, it's very easy to get discouraged. And so I sort of go, oh God, this feels so hard and difficult. I'm just gonna give up now and just go back to, to the old way or whatever. But I think once you break it down and you can see uh, it, it could be your own, it could be my own laziness, for example, is, or sense of overwhelm because I've got too many things on my to-do list that is actually now getting in the way of this project. So maybe I need to be removed myself from this project and put other people who have more time and can focus on it or whatever, whatever it might be. But once you understand exactly what you're working against um, in the project, that can give you a lot of freedom and momentum to move forward. Excellent. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. So um, 
what what do you enjoy the most then about having a team of people and and building a business the way you are like what what's the most enjoyable piece of it for you specifically i think at heart you know this goes back to when i was a kid i i remember when i was in like year six at school so this is probably when i'm like 10 or 11 years old uh, even though i'm a really young guy this was quite some time ago um and i remember writing like complete 60 minute episodes of Star Trek on my own and then making kind of this this radio play of it using two radio cassette players or kind of ghetto blaster type things. Um, so I've always been kind of building and creating things and I love um, just making things. It's just sort of in my nature. It's a compelling kind of impulse to create things and do that. But as an entrepreneur, I tend to only do that where I kind of see a pressing need for that. So in the dog foundation work, there's an incredibly desperate need to liberate dogs from having horrible lives in, in tiny cages in shelters, uh, for example, or in hosting. I could see, you know, really mediocre kind of competitors there. And back in 2013, if I thought hosting was done really well, I actually wouldn't have touched it. I wouldn't have felt that compulsion to get in there and do it. So, um, Part of the enjoyment comes from that creating. Another big part of it now that we're at like 60 people is that all the guys in our senior positions are really young, kind of the average uh, team leader age is about 24 years old. Uh, that sound you can hear in the background is my dog dreaming. Joey, she makes these funny sounds when she's dreaming, she's sleeping, she's in the office, if you're wondering. Quick explanation. Yeah. Um, so one of the real, real unexpected uh, enjoyments has been seeing the young guys really blossom and grow a lot from just kind of the most raw junior support agent into kind of running development teams or systems administrators, um, things like that. And that, that's been a real thrill. I do have a teaching background as well. So it's great to see guys kind of blossom and, you know, become, become great leaders that, that I can really rely on as well. So For me, creating things is really important, but also now with, with, with a lot of people as we scale, and that obviously brings its own challenges and seeing people grow. Not everybody does, and sometimes uh, we lose some people who, who just can't kind of uh, get on board the runaway train that WPX is now. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay, that's normal. But uh, the guys who have made it are just doing awesome, which is, which is great to see. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. From a management standpoint, what do you feel is the biggest challenge you have faced and, and what did you do to try and overcome that? I think the biggest thing, and maybe it's a bit different for everybody, is that when there's a situation comes up with, with like uh, a member of the staff that isn't good and it's pretty bad, the, the, the kind of default setting I think for most people, even including me, is to not necessarily confront that immediately and have this big conflict situation. So um, we all tend to kind of make excuses for it and uh, tolerate bad stuff that really should have been stopped much sooner. Yeah. Stop that. the bin? Oh, at the bin? Thanks. Um, and, but we're getting much better at that now and kind of when you have these situations where uh, what's going on doesn't fit um, what you want out of the team environment or performance or whatever, you've really got to uh, tackle that head on as quickly as possible 
not let it ex escalate. And part of the reason for that is you don't want that uh, kind of bad attitude or behavior kind of infecting other people and them seeing that you don't act kind of gives other people the green light if they think, oh, you know, uh, this toxic atmosphere that the, the owners kind of tolerate it, they don't really care or, or whatever. Um, so anything that you see, you don't have to be really dictatorial about it. You just have a private conversation uh, and correct that behavior if it's correctable. Yeah. Um, but you, you just got to really get in there. And I really encourage you if you, in your own business, if you're listening to this, there's, there are things you're not happy with. You're the owner. It's, it, you have the ownership and responsibility and duty in a way to get in there and correct that situation uh, and kind of be the guardian of a good working environment for all the people, even if that means you might have to come down pretty hard on an individual person. And that feels awkward and there's going to be a bit of conflict, but you just have to do it. And again, because everything is practice, it gets a lot easier, you know, the more you confront this quickly. Yeah, and, and, and you're right, right? Because in, in the end of the day, if you let things spiral out of control like that, like not just people will lose respect, but also from, from a high level standpoint, right? Like effectively you're putting the business at risk because not, nothing as, uh, as toxic in the world of business as, as a team that's, that's not following the, the sort of standards that you're expecting, right? So really being able to, to actually stand up as the leader and, and really correct that is, is so critical. Yeah, it, I mean, it can destroy your business. You can lose uh, people who won't put up with it, who are not happy with, uh, you know, mediocre management or ownership that doesn't protect them and protect the environment. Good people, especially where we are here, we have probably over 300 software companies. It's kind of a mini Silicon Valley here. We have uh, Microsoft, HP, SAP, they all have huge operations here. They pay big salaries with lots of good benefits. So, you know, recruiting and retention, retention is a real challenge. So, you, you, you know, you, your key players and the whole team, you've got to look after them well. And that's particularly, like, that's, that's exactly what happens. A lot of time people are afraid and therefore they, they kind of protect people. They're afraid, like, oh, if I say something, they might leave. But the, the problem you end up with is always the same. If people yep. leave, you much rather want that to be a bottom performer with a bad attitude than the best people you have. And the yep. problem is if you do nothing, the ones leaving will be the best people, right? Absolutely. So that's interesting. Where, where specifically are you based? We're in Sofia, in Bulgaria. Oh, so in, in Sofia. Okay. Yeah, I, I used to work there actually myself for a while. Uh, okay. So with, uh, with IBM and with Concentrix and so on, so... That was, uh, yeah, yep. it's definitely a blossoming, uh, blossoming place. The other quick thing I'll mention, Mads, here that I found extremely effective when recruiting, yep. because people can kind of write anything in a CV. They can kind of say anything in an interview. Okay. But we found here that the trial project, so we'll, we'll have a meeting with them. We'll talk about things, try to understand their philosophy, get them to understand ours. But then we give them a trial project to kind of see what they can do. Um, and it's amazing to me how many times over and over, over the years that someone has seemed incredibly, seemed like a superstar in the interview, uh, even a couple of interviews and even on paper, they look great. Then you give them the trial project, which is not huge. It might be a one page project, but you're kind of looking for a quality and depth of performance there. 
And so many of these kind of superstar type people just absolutely crumble on this task. And many couldn't even submit the task. Um, so you realize, you know, it's all in the doing of it. And, and uh, th this is a very old expression, but it's something like um, uh, smooth talkers are very rarely smooth doers yep. and smooth doers are rarely smooth talkers. And when yep. I kind of think about the guys who are, who are our superstars in the company, they're, they're a bit awkward uh, socially, that they're not charismatic or anything, but man, can they deliver awesome work. So uh, I really, when you're hiring, just, just devise one or two small trial projects just to get a feel for what that, that person can do up against a deadline, something like a week, uh, relevant for, for the area where you're hiring for and just see what they can come up with. And then you get them back in on a subsequent interview and then you talk through and they have to uh, explain their process and why they made certain choices or whatever. And it's a really good insight into a person's capability much more than just talking to them or seeing a CV. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I love that. And uh, I, w one of the things that I believe in heavily is that the, the more difficult you make the, the recruitment process, the more people actually appreciate the job. So yep. like early on, this was one of the big wins Google had because they made this not just very different, but they made this very, very long application process where Basically, you had to go through a whole bunch of tests. And basically, they made it very difficult to get in the door. And that means yeah. people appreciate actually getting in the door much more than if it's yeah. kind of like you walk into an interview, you have half a conversation, and people are like, oh, yeah, you're hired. And, and you're kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I can, I can walk away from this any day because, you know, yeah. it was easy getting it. So that, that's definitely, I mean, making a good, difficult hiring process. Obviously not difficult, stupid, but difficult that people actually feel challenged and feel it's relevant and so on. That, that's definitely something that can hugely improve like how your employees value their jobs. Absolutely. I think with Google, you have to go through six interview panels, yep. something like and it's always different people. They make it pretty hard. Definitely. Yep. And, uh, right. yep. Cool. Interesting. Very good. So, um, yeah, I, one of the things that I'm, I'm very keen on when I manage a business and I manage teams is, is really trying to identify who's sort of going to be the next person stepping up. Who's the next leader in this group of people? Do you have any specific sort of hints and tips or ways you do it yourself and how sort of to find tomorrow's leaders? That's a good question. Uh, and often because of the kind of dynamic nature of our business here, sometimes we have had to promote kind of on an urgent basis rather than necessary, necessarily merit yep. in the situation. So we just kind of have to throw the guy uh, who's relatively junior into a more senior role. And it was kind of the old sink or swim cliche thing. Uh, but I, I think there's something there. If you have a good eye for their work process and see how, uh, other members of the team regard the kind of work performance and the, uh, you know, the conversations, the advice, the, the dialogue that they have and kind of, you want to get, get somebody there that who, whose opinion they value, uh, they respect them. And it might not be a very obvious person. Yep. It might not be a person because they're all kind of different leaders. Yep. Uh, and if you look at somebody like, for example, 
Bill Gates, though, though reportedly he was a bit of a monster as well. Uh, but he, he seems kind of a bit more of a meek and mild guy, I guess, uh, compared with others who, who are more like a Steve Ballmer type, a kind of somewhat uh, over-the-top crazy guy. Maybe they were both effective, maybe I, not. Yeah, I, I think if you, if you compare someone like Gates to, to Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, you know, I, I think most people will, will think yeah, he's the nice guy for sure. I think it's good if you don't have a fixed idea of a leader personality type. Like uh, they're not a Rambo commander who can just, you know, stab 20 guys or whatever with a paperclip and get out alive. Um, they're all different kinds of leaders. And, uh, you know, in Australia where I'm from, we kind of have this expression about a quiet achiever. That's yeah. uh, a good thing. And actually those kind of leaders, in my experience here, are really effective. Uh, they're not guys driven by ego. Uh, they're a bit awkward socially, but when it comes, they're all about the work, uh, you know, and they'll talk for hours about the work. They love to dive deep into it. Um, they love, you know, that's where they kind of light up and all of that. And you can see how the rest of the team sort of responds to them. Yeah. It's, it's not the most obvious thing. And it's, it's important. Just don't have a fixed stereotype about uh, what a leader should necessarily look like, but look at how those people interact with that person who you're thinking about for a leadership role. No, that makes total sense. And how do you, when, when you, when you then promote new people into a management position, how, how do you go about making sure they're performing well? Like what, what specifically do you sort of do to, to make sure that they're a success? We kind of have uh, one of the structures we have a setup Monday and review Friday. Yeah. So uh, we will talk through specific goals. Some are really small little fixes and things like that. Some are bigger ones like dealing with an individual or job interviews and things like that. And then at the end of the week, that leader will kind of report back and say, well, the job interview didn't go well. The guy failed in this area, in this area. So we need to keep looking. Uh, this, this fix here, we were going to do it this way, but actually I did some research and found a different way to do it. Uh, and quite often, if it's, if it's not like massively um, significant, they'll just go ahead and execute on it really quickly. Yeah. So we kind of have that ongoing auditing process, but we're very strong on spelling out and always discussing that there is not necessarily one right way to fix this uh, issue. Uh, so think about it, you know, and, and these guys will often come back with something way better than what I thought of, yeah. way, way way more efficient and clever than uh, my original idea for it. And I think you've always got to have that, um, you know, that sense of trust and take a little bit of a gamble there. And the good guys usually won't let you down and they, they care about what they do. But I think it, it's, it's a bit, uh, it's, it's kind of depressing if you, you're this ogre uh, CEO or owner who's constantly imposing the only solution is my solution, damn it, and do it that way. Yeah. I think that's, very demotivating and kind of, I would want to work like that. It's, it's uh, a very good way to scare great people away. Let's say it that way. Yeah. So um, we encourage that creativity and problem solving. We're always saying, um, you know, go away, have research, think about some solutions, come back with your ideas. Let's discuss it more. Uh, always trying to do that. Um, so I think on the whole, we have a really, um, not relaxed, but it's less hierarchical, less structured environment that hopefully is really cooperative and friendly because we work hard on that. Uh, and, you know, we, I mean, 
myself and the other uh, co-founder were in constant dialogue with almost everybody in the company, which won't always be possible yeah. uh, when we get bigger, but we're in constant dialogue. So nobody feels like, um, you know, the insignificant guy, guy down at cubicle 622 that nobody ever noticed, uh, which I think is just a horrible way to work. And we always want to work against that. We, we do things, for example, Mads, like uh, one of our company principles is we think, how much further can we push this thing? And we do that a lot in team building. In the last year, we've massively ramped up what we do in team building, which is kind of written with cliches normally. But this year, we've done things like um, we had sky, a lot of our guys went skydiving, which we sponsored. We just did bungee jumping from hot air balloons. Uh, we did a scuba diving trip for a bunch of first-time guys who've never been scuba diving before. Uh, so we're kind of doing stuff that's, that's pushing their own barriers. Uh, the teams really enjoy it. The young guys we've got, they're a bit crazy. They like dangerous stuff. Um, so the, these kind of things just make it also a, a better place to work and more dynamic, uh, enjoyable experience. And we're always thinking not just about our customer experience, but uh, the employee experience for the great people that we want to keep forever. Yeah. Excellent. That's really cool. That's really cool. And um, yeah, I guess, I guess here lastly, like what, what sort of your personal sort of thing in, in terms of improvement, right? Like I, I love to say we're not all perfect and, and we're all working on something. So what's, what, what do you personally work on right now to improve around yourself from a, from a leadership and management standpoint? Uh, I do read a lot. I watch a lot of videos, um, but a lot of it is just kind of learning from the dynamic practice of um, managing people in situations every day. Excellent. Uh, my, my kind of bigger focus now, particularly with the Dog Foundation, which is relatively new, even though WPX has been sponsoring and helping dogs for quite a few years now, but having our own foundation in-house is, is a whole new level. Um, I kind of look at my, my view on a business is if a business is successful, um, I think it's great if they can identify a specific problem and go after it so hard with that company's resources that it actually eliminates the problem permanently. Yeah. And I know, I know companies do spend uh, a lot of money on the CSR stuff, corporate social responsibility, but it tends to just be kind of flavor of the month. So one month they, yeah. they sponsor dolphins in South America and next month it's the orphans in Russia and the third month it's something else. Uh, our focus here has been very, very singular there. And what I really care about is kind of the impact that we have, huge impact as a foundation, which WPX are kind of providing the financial resources for and a few other, few other things as well. So uh, for me, while I do the reading and everything can get you so far, and I always think that's important, but um, that can be a bit of a cul-de-sac cul and kind of a pattern in itself if you're not having that lived experience of, you know, managing new difficult situations new difficult people uh, or just unexpected things crop up that you just have to deal with and handle. Uh, you know, I think that's where, where your own weaknesses become really obvious and the things that you've got to work on uh, in your own personality or whatever uh, in order to have a bigger impact going forward. 100%. Yep. Totally. Totally. 
Well, that's that's really good, Terry. That has been uh, very very interesting talking to you. If uh, if people want to know more about you, get in contact with you, or know more about VPX, where's the right places to go? So uh, my personal website where I talk about a lot of my dog projects and stuff is terrykyle.com. Uh, obviously, wpxhosting.com is the main hosting website. Our foundation is at everydogmatters.eu um, as well. And there is a WPX blog at blog.wpxhosting.com, which is more for WordPress uh, type stuff there. So any of those will lead you to an area uh, of interest. Actually, I have, do have a new project I just started last month that you may have seen, Mads. It's called inflectionpoint.life, where I interviewed Justin Brooke and Matt Diggity about a huge turning point in their lives. So I talked with them guys for about 45 minutes. There's nothing commercial there. It's just uh, those guys breaking down a, a truly life-changing moment for them when uh, they kind of reach this, this critical point where they could either just kind of collapse into sort of death or soul death almost, and they just hugely turned their life around. So uh, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast and that topic interests you, you can head on over to inflectionpoint.life. Uh, nothing nothing to, to buy there whatsoever. I think it's just a really interesting topic where we can learn a lot from where people have turned their lives around. Excellent. Yeah, I, I actually did see one of the episodes, so it's... Uh... Yeah, excellent. Amazing stuff, Terry. Thank you very, very much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you. And hope you have a great day there. And any follow-up questions, uh, anybody can just get in touch with me and I will come back and answer. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.